Welcome to Screen Thoughts with Hollister and O'Toole. Happy birthday! (laughs) I know you're not a holiday girl, but do you remember when we went on Thanksgiving for pizza and we had the best time ever? That was one of the greatest Thanksgivings of my life. I know. (laughs) I know. Well, but this Thanksgiving on this great day, uh, later on today, I will be having Thanksgiving with my family. And I just want to wish everybody out there a happy Thanksgiving for sure. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Yes. Now, guess what anniversary this is. Is it our anniversary? No. (laughs) Although that's coming up in two weeks. We will have done this three years in two weeks. Yes, it is getting close. Which anniversary is it, Hollister? Guess what opened 25 years ago? One of my very favorite movies of all time. Pretty Woman? No. Pretty Woman? No. (laughs) That one, okay, I should have known because we did a podcast on that for the 25th anniversary. Um, The Bodyguard? (gasps) Yes! In your second guess, you got it. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, the bodyguard. And, you know, I I saw this juxtaposition of someone, I think it was Christine Aguilera, singing some of the tunes from the bodyguard. And also in the back, behind her, they had sort of flash images of the movie. And I'm like, that is such a good movie. So happy anniversary to the bodyguard 25 years ago. (laughs) I don't know. I think our anniversary might be happier, too. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, well, it depends on who you're talking to, clearly, but... Okay, and then a bunch of comments came in to me on the interview with Warren Adler. Oh, do so, share. I'd love to hear yeah, some of those. So I thought, yeah, I got some emails around them. So one of them from Susan, I had no idea. The man is a force. Who knew? <laughs> I guess a lot of people did know, but she didn't know. Loved the interview. And Hollister, you handled him like a pro. <laughs> what kind of pro does she mean? And I, and I was talking to a friend and I said, I don't know what that means. And she said, well, you know, you can tell he's like, you know, he's got his point of view and he's very embedded in it, which I didn't, he definitely is that guy, but Warren Adler's very much like my father. Didn't you say they have the same birthday? They do. Oh my God. I totally forgot uh-huh. that. Yes. I left the interview and called you and remember it was like the same exact day. Mm-hmm. And I asked you what that meant. You who has much more versed in that stuff than me. But anyway, he is very much like my father and sort of, you know, not cranky, but, you know, he just gets this edge to his voice. Like, why are you asking me that dumb question? You know, um, but if you keep plugging away, it gets through it. So that made me that made me laugh. <laughs> well, I loved the interview and I can't wait to see which movies you all are going to go see together. Yeah, but then also Nicholas wrote, I had forgotten about War of the Roses. So I watched it again after your interview with my wife. And I think it should be remade into a series, as you suggested. You're so right. Um, would be able to dig in deeper for sure. And then my wife, after we watched it, asked why I felt the need to share it with her. <laughs> I hope so all the furniture those, in their house is still intact. Yeah, just a few of the comments that came in uh, around the Warren Adler interview. <laughs> um, and also, he was very pleased and, you know, he, he was very excited about the interview and it was his first podcast so he wasn't quite sure how they turned out and he said he really likes it so I hope he does more. Hollister that's exciting to think he's done books and screen adaptations and ebooks and you were his first podcast. I'm his first podcast yes at the age of whatever so good for him. Anyway the other thing is did you see the Ladybird box office numbers? No but I saw that you went and saw it so I was dying to know what you thought about it. How'd you know I went and saw it? An emailed copy of your ticket came into our Screen Thoughts box. 
<laughs> well, there you go. Um, okay, well, here's get this. So it was only opened in four theaters, but it averaged $93 per theater, which the, is the highest specialty box office opening in 2017. $93,000? $93, $93,000. Oh, okay, $93,000. Okay, uh, yeah, that's a little sorry. bigger of a $93,000, yes. Okay. And I want you to know, I think it's the best film of the year. And I wouldn't have gotten that from listening to you talk about it. Really? I think, yes, I think... Maybe because you still thought it was about Lady Bird Johnson. No, I definitely didn't think it was about Lady Bird Johnson. And so now we're going to move from, you know, this possible killer to um, Lady Bird Johnson. Not, well, not exactly common, right? Lady Bird Johnson, just Lady Bird, and you're going to do okay, LBJ. Well, the name of the movie is Lady Bird, but it's about Lady Bird Johnson, right? No. It's not? No. <laughs> Lady Bird, is that your given name? Yeah. Why is it in quotes? I gave it to myself. It's given to me by me. But see, I and I, and I left and I'm like, what is wrong with her? <laughs> and then I said... It's Juno. It's the Juno thing. Remember, you didn't like, you thought Juno was sort of contrived, didn't you? No, I thought Juno got a lot of credit, whereas Gilmore Girls, when it first aired on TV, didn't get the credit it was due. So everyone kept saying Juno was so original, and I'm like, who's not been watching Gilmore Girls? But no, I well, thought Greta I think, Gerwig was a very assured writer-director. I thought it was a oh really God, solid script I think, that, I think that movie. script mm-hmm. is stellar. I think her casting is stellar. I think her shooting is stellar. Get this. There wasn't one moment that I could go back and find where, find where I felt she should have cut sooner. And that's very rare for me. Quite often I'm like, well, you could have cut here, girlfriend. Why didn't you do that? Or, hey, boyfriend, you could have cut that halfway through and we could have saved 10 minutes. It's true. I'm all about cost-cutting savings in terms of my time spent in front of the film. So I just think it's one of the best films of the year, and I'm going to write it up, I decided. So I'm going to do a a written review of it. The editing was definitely as polished as the script, the acting. Amazing, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, any news on your front? I do. Last week we mentioned Liar and how it kind of had an abrupt ending on the sixth episode. Did, we did, yeah. Did you see they've already confirmed that it'll be back for another season with both of its main stars? It, I don't think they can bring back both of them, but yes, well, it's my understanding that it is going to run next year, but I don't know who's going to be well, in it. like This Is Us, there's always the flashback. But it it won't be filming until 2019. So don't wait with too baited of breath. Wait, 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 wait. What are you kidding? That's like saying you're going to have dessert tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Like, (laughs) really? How can you possibly say you're going to wait two years to shoot season two of something? I never know which way you're going to go. Either you're just upset there is a sequel and you say people are too greedy for wanting more, or you say the sequel's not coming soon enough. But I thought you would find this interesting. You know the series that you and I were both very impressed by, The Night Manager with Tom Hiddleston, Hugh Laurie, and Olivia Colman? My name's Pine. I'm The Night Manager. You'll be in so deep, you'll worry that you'll never get out. The Ink Factory produced The Night Manager. They have secured $180 million in funding, which will allow them to become an independent global studio, which I think is exciting because those were very high production values. And I'm sure you saw where Val posted on our Facebook page the interview with Derek Jacobi about Last Tango in Halifax, because we've all been waiting for season four on that series. Derek, um, can I ask you about Last Tango in Halifax? Is that 
Is that coming back? Are we going to no, see any more? I'm afraid it's, it's oh. no, it's not. It's not happening. Uh, she, she's written, she's written out. She's writing so many things. Yeah, I believe know. so. She's a wonderful writer, but she's got so much work okay. um, that uh, Tango is part it's of It's finito. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah. sad to hear. It's very sad. We, we love, all love doing it. And the writer, Sally Wainwright, she's just so busy. She does, of course, Happy Valley as well, and she's got a new drama coming out called Gentleman Jack. But the BBC said she has every intention of revisiting the series when she's able to. So hopefully, as Val put it, the <laughs> well, BBC I, we is We wait right. for no man, woman, or child, so she can just bite me. That's not how... I'm not waiting for her. <laughs> so I'm not watching it if it comes out in four years. This is ridiculous. Okay, and then we got one comment from Susan in New York, and she liked the fact that I ran into Tina Turner. She said that her favorite song of all time is Proud Mary. Did you? Does that mean she wanted me to sing it? <laughs> I think you might want to sing it. Do you want to hum a few bars? No, you know, I, I can't. Tina Turner never did it for me. Oh, I, I think she's a god and a guru. I know, I know you do. But have you seen the new poster for Proud Mary starring Taraji P. Henson, who we both loved in Hidden Figures? No, I haven't. You a cop? Not exactly. She said she watched the trailer. And she said, quote, I am horrified that my awesome number one favorite hopeful song has been co-opted for an assassin movie. I am so bothered that we as a culture even want to see or get excited about guns and killing. I thought, okay, fair enough. Yeah, that is fair enough. Well, I'm all in on that one, that's for sure. Though I still love the song. I love the song. I love Taraji P. Henson. All right, and then if we're going to continue on, the perfect entree for our main pick this week, Wonder, guess how much they did in the first weekend. I'm going to guess $27 million. That's exactly right. (laughs) You looked at it. Don't lie. You're not that smart. And how many many theaters was it You know, I don't tend to look at box office, but I know everyone was comparing it to the $95 million that Justice League, and Justice League, that was considered a massive disappointment. And $70 million less than even Batman versus Superman had brought in. The lowest opening ever for a DC comic book franchise. Wonder was considered a surprising success. And this is something I didn't realize. They said it's the best opening Julia Roberts has had in years. Well, it's so funny. You want to you start with that because I, as you know, am not a Julia Roberts fan. Although I've loved some of her movies. Of course, Pretty Woman and Notting Hill, two of my favorite movies, but not because of her. And I've never really liked her, and I also feel like she doesn't deliver every line totally naturally. And I am now a huge Julia Roberts fan, and I don't know if it's because she's now a mother or what, but I'm going to take my hat off to you, Julia. I think you made this movie, which, by the way, I started crying at about hello, and I don't think I stopped until about two hours after it was over. My name is Augie Pullman. Next week, I start fifth grade. And since I've never been to real school before, I'm pretty much totally petrified. I'll see you later. You don't want to walk up with your parents because it's not cool. But you're cool. I know I am, but technically most dads aren't. Neither are these helmets. Dear God, please make them be nice to him. I'm glad I was not alone. Hollister, this movie grabbed me by the heartstrings. It made me weep, and I never felt 
manipulated. It was a very sweet movie. Well, more than sweet, it was an important film. It's an important film for our time. It's an important film because it shows that everybody's different and the acceptance of of the differences in everybody is really important. And the brilliance of this film is based on the way they present it from four different points of view. His sister, his sister's friend. In other words, it's not just all about him, even though the, he is, of course, the sun revolving around, around, their, around their earth. So I just, I thought the presentation of it was just perfectly put together to make it bigger than just this one person's journey. Did you agree? I thought it was very true to the book. R.J. Yeah. Palacio wrote the book a couple years ago. Six million people have read it. New York Times bestseller. I didn't realize the incident in the book and in the movie happened to her in real life. This was her first book. She started out the designer of book jackets. And she was with her two little boys in an ice cream parlor. One of her sons was three. And a girl was there with a similar craniofacial disorder. And her three-year-old son started to cry. And R.J. Palacio said she was so embarrassed. She took her kids, she left the ice cream shop, and she realized later that was the wrong response. She should have handled it differently. So she wrote the book as an apology. And in the book, she does the same thing with the different POVs. And I thought when they switched over to the sister's point of view, it happened at the exact right moment in the Uh movie. Well, I think it made the movie so much bigger than it would have been because it could have been a little bit of a sob turner. And I think those elements by doing that and also the sisters, you know, being rejected by her friend and having her first love and everything, all of that made it into something that wasn't at all pulling at your heartstrings because it was almost real life. Now, the other thing is watching a family like that, it just makes the guilt abounds. Like, (laughs) you know, who has a family like that? You know, I mean, the perfect father with the perfect line. His line at one point, he says to his son, you can't be afraid of anybody, you know. you." And his son says, well, daddy, why are we a spring? And he's like, because I'm afraid of your mother. <laughs> Owen Wilson delivered those lines with a lot of humor. He's perfect, mm-hmm. perfect in the role. And we they've never, this is the first time they've ever worked together, Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson. And I think they're a force together to be reckoned with. I thought they played off each other beautifully. I did as well. And to me, when I first heard what the movie was about, and obviously based on the book, I thought, okay, do I need to see this movie? Because I remember Mask starring Cher, Eric Stoltz, Sam Elliott. And I thought, okay, this sounds like the exact same movie. The only thing is, Rocky Dennis isn't like everyone else. I don't look like Adonis. I'm kind of strange looking. I've got this problem that makes my face look real unreal. My mom says I look like a lion, though. And watching Wonder, I thought, okay, it's Mask meets Marley and Me, because not only is Owen Wilson in it, but they have the little dog Daisy. Yeah. But at the heart of this movie, it's the same thing I love about This Is Us. It's a family, and the guiding principle is kindness. They all have their challenges, and you realize that not one of them has it easy. That scene with the sister where she's talking about how school is just rough and you know she's going through the trials and tribulations with her best friend and she said Augie you want to be a normal kid this is normal and also a big thank you to Rachel um Brennan who who is in public relations and she's doing PR 
for the movie Wonder, and she's the one who pressed us to look at it. I'm not sure we would have gone there. Thank you to Rachel for, for putting this in front of us and asking us to take a look. Unbelievably great. My theater was filled with children who, before the... Before the movie started, I thought, oh, my God, I have to come back at 9 o'clock tonight because this is going to be awful. And you know what? Everybody settled into this movie. There wasn't a, you know, I mean, aside from the sobbing, there was nothing. There wasn't a child who wasn't totally mesmerized through the whole thing. So it really appeals to everyone. This is a perfect Thanksgiving film, don't you think, this weekend? It is a great Thanksgiving film, and I feel like we've been bombarded with so many anti-heroes on the big and small screen recently that you get something like This Is Us or Wonder, and it harkens back to a time where, you know, it is about kindness and family and friendship, and it's not a surprise that R.J. Palacio, the author, said that the book is what inspired her to start the Choose Kind movement. Hi, I'm R.J. Palacio, the author of Wonder. I am asking a bunch of children here in Brooklyn about kindness and what kindness means to them. There's some mean people out there that just need a little bit of kindness sprinkled on them and they'll change their whole personality. I love the idea of sprinkling kindness on somebody. Glitter kindness. Glitter kindness. Something we could all use a little bit more of. Well, but it's also at a time when our country is so divided and there's little acceptance of points of view outside your own or anything that's different. And so um, from that perspective, too, it just, it just gave me hope that when people handle themselves appropriately, things can work out. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I just, I just cannot speak more highly about how important a film it is to see. And also, can I just say, how about that Jacob Tremblay? You ever thought about having plastic surgery? Dude, this is after plastic surgery. It takes a lot of work to look this good. This boy's only, what, 10 years old, and he's already been stuck in a room for five years, <laughs> you know, to, with, you know, totally abused by an evil man. And then he went on and he became this genius who took care of his mother and this woman, young girl next door who was being abused by his father, her father in Book of Henry. And now he's this space cadet wonder. I mean, you know, Jacob Tremblay can do anything, and I would never have recognized him in it, and I'm glad. You know, I did have to laugh because you know how there's been so much discussion about where are all the good roles for women over the age of 30. But apparently they all go to boys under the age of 11 because it's oh true. Oh my God, he's so good in this. But he's but if you've seen him in all three of those films, we're talking about an 11-year-old who's played three very, very different roles beautifully and worn the persona of each of them. You would not recognize him in film after film after film. And you have to give it to Jacob Tremblay. He's just, you know, his role in, as Augie is stellar, absolutely stellar. He's so good. And, of course, as the credits were rolling, I saw some other Tremblays in there, too. Well, his sister, yeah, his sister was in it, yeah. But also Isabella Vidovic, um, you know, she, I think, did a really, really good job, too. Now, she was in Homefront. Did you see that? I did, and I thought she was terrific in this. Everyone yeah. is so well cast. I thought of you when your favorite Mandy Patinkin appeared to play know, the principal so of the good. school. And can I tell you, you know, because I do know Mandy Patinkin, and he is, I'm sure he loved this role. I'm sure he loved playing it. I'm sure he loved 
you know, the, the talk that he gives at the end with the quote from Beecher, unbelievably mm-hmm. fabulous. I put it on my screen and you can't get a better role for him. It's true what you say about this movie is so good in terms of tolerance and seeing it from the different characters' points of view. The only character they weren't able to quite turn me on was Julian. If I looked like him, I'd swear. I'd put a hood over my face. I understand, you know, when we meet his parents, but the only actor I was I was surprised to see the great Brazilian actress Sonia Braga appear as the grandmother. I didn't know she was in the movie. That was the only scene where maybe to me it could have veered a little too sweet. I'm not going to well, go. Julian's but... the bully who's not a bully at all, and maybe the point is that underneath every bully is a kid waiting to be nurtured into a better person. See, and that to me was a little too quick of a turnaround but other than that I thought everyone was cast so perfectly I loved all the friends Jack Will and kudos 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 to the director Stephen Chbosky who we've mentioned before he's one of the writers credited on this movie for adapting the movie from the book and of course he directed it he also wrote and directed Perks of Being a Wallflower which I loved and have mentioned many times on the podcast and he also wrote the script for Beauty and the Beast and I think when you think oh, about I didn't know that, huh? When you look at these three movies together, I think they all have similar themes. <laughs> uh, interesting. Okay, guess which movie I kept going back to in this movie. And it wasn't Mask. No, Pollyanna. Oh. Okay. Yes, I can see it. Yeah, that you know, it's sort of like a modern day Pollyanna, only different. You know what I mean? Um, and it did feel like a modern-day Disney movie. Oh, well, it definitely is Disney-like, absolutely. But also the makeup was really good. Don't you think that the makeup was really good? The makeup was great. There were credits for mold and silicone design oh. of Jacob of Tremblay's face. Yep. The only thing I wasn't quite sure about is at the beginning of the movie, Julia Roberts, her hair and clothes looked a little bit like she was trying to impersonate Greta Gerwig in Maggie's plan. Well, I thought she looked a little dowdy, but I thought that was the point she was supposed to, you know, so... I mean, I did like how they showed how her life got put on hold, but the visuals were great. When they pan across Jacob Tremblay's room... (laughs) This one he's allowed out of. Yeah, who has a room like that? The perfect room doesn't happen. But the 27 hospital bracelets on his wall, it's the perfect visual. It says it all. There were some great aerial shots. Now, did you recognize his homeroom teacher from Hamilton, the the play? Oh, David Diggs. Who is it that I aspire to be? That is the question that we should be asking ourselves all the time. And he was a great teacher. Watching this movie, I thought, I want to go to this school. I want these teachers as my teachers. I want to talk about precepts when I'm in fifth grade. And even his science teacher, who was introducing them to Newtonian physics... And they're 10 years old. I thought this is a great school. It is a great school, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and But also, we ha- did you have a favorite quote? I figured you pulled out one or well, two. One line that actually made me laugh out loud. It's not the deepest of quotes, but it really did provide some humor when I needed a little. It was when Julia Roberts and the daughter are about to have their fight in the kitchen, and Owen Wilson takes little Augie. Jacob Tremblay, and he goes, you know, let's go play Minecraft. We might have to move there. (laughs) No, he, well, first of all, when you get lines like that written for you, you're a lucky, lucky person, especially someone like Owen Wilson, who knows how to deliver them that well, you know, so, but for me, you know, for me, the quote, oh my God, the things we do outlast our mortality. The things we do are like monuments that people build to honor heroes after they've died. 
They're like the pyramids that the Egyptians built to honor the pharaohs, only instead of being made of stone, they're made out of the memories of people, um, the memories of people have of you. I thought that was so cool. That's a beautiful quote. And Yeah, the best. You know, another line that really got me, especially since they introduced it from the sister's point of view, when we first see it from his point of view, we don't know what she whispers in his ear on the first day of school. You know, later when they revisit that scene and she leans over and she says, You can't blend in when you were born to stand out. And that was the tagline of the novel. Mm -hmm. And, you know, reading the book from maybe page one or two, there was a line that I thought, oh, this really sets out the theme of the book. It's where Augie says, here's what I think. The only reason I'm not ordinary is that no one else sees me that way. Yeah, that is a great line. I I don't remember that line. That's a a wonderful line. Um, and And then, of course, there's the... I think there should be a rule that everyone in the world should get a standing ovation at least once in their life. And I think that's true. Oh my mm-hmm. gosh, I absolutely think that's true. And they worked in those fantasy sequences really well in the movie, especially when they've got mm-hmm. Chewbacca. Is that his name from Star Wars? Yes. I loved yes. those. I should know that. <laughs> sorry, all you Star Wars oh, fans God. out there. I'm sorry. Well, also, just so you know, Jacob Tremblay is a huge Star Wars fan, as is the true, the person this book was written about. So mm-hmm. I would love to know what it was like for an 11-year-old to play that. Now, he did go. There is a place where um, where people with this, with this disease are, and he went and spent a week there with living with kids who have the same facial uh, issues that, that um, Augie had. And, you know, I, he, I'm sure that helped him to determine how he was going to play the role, but I think he does it beautifully, and I think the makeup they did for him is, is stellar. I'm sure they'll be up for something on that. And, you know, I really did think he looked like Julia Roberts and Owen Wilson, And it's funny because I remember the first time Julia Roberts mentioned that she always, you know, obsesses over the vein on her forehead (laughs) that tends to stand out. It was in this a lot, by the way. It was. And then, of course, Owen Wilson has his boxer's nose. And I thought, okay, here's two impossibly good-looking people. And yet it's interesting how... Everybody in this movie to me was beautiful, and yet they each had their distinguishing characteristic. Mm-hmm. It's the same way that kids can be, they can adapt so well, and they can be so cruel. It's true with Augie. I just, you, you notice the makeup initially, and then it just, he was so cute that you do just get used to this as Augie, and you see him as a person very quickly, I think. Well, he wasn't, um, you didn't have to look away. No. And I remember, I couldn't help but think of Mask, because when Mask, when... When the character in Mask comes on, I can't remember his name, but I had to look away, and I never once had to look away from Augie. So I, I don't know if that was a line they walked carefully or what, but you know, I didn't find him shocking when when he came on the screen. So um, And his eyes were like those little upside-down apostrophe eyes that the Peanuts yeah. characters all have. And I thought the voices of some of the kids sounded like the Peanuts, too. It's a very yeah. endearing movie. Oh, God, it was the best. Absolutely the best. I, you know, uh, my daughter's coming, you know, today for Thanksgiving, and I thought, gosh, maybe I'll go see it with her if she wants to see it with me. I just thought it was wonderful. And apparently Julia Roberts read the book, and she said, I want to play this part. So I don't know if she went after the part or not, 
But it's a moment for her, and I'm telling you, she was naturally, in every scene, just naturally successful in it, rather than having to work at it. You are not ugly, Augie. I just have to say that because you're my mom. Because I'm your mom, it counts the most, because I know you the most. In this, I think she deserves great kudos. I thought she did a great job. If she hadn't been cast, I would have definitely cast Jennifer Garner. I could see her playing this part, too. Yeah, she could do that, too. You know, something that the author said about the book, why she said it in fifth grade, she said, quote, fifth through seventh grade is the first time kids are asked to make choices for themselves. They have to decide who they want to be. Hey, Jack, come sit here. In a sec. So she called her book a meditation on kindness, and I think the same can be said of the movie. I don't remember that in fifth grade, making choices for who I wanted to be. I don't think I made choices for who I wanted to be till I was 50. So no offense. I'm like, I, when you're saying that, I'm thinking, what did she say? You have to make choices for who you want to be when you're in fifth grade? No, you don't. You make choices for who you're going to hang out with, maybe, but not who you want to be. And yet, um, I think those, but that's just my perspective. And so. those choices all have repercussions because kids yeah. remember those cafeteria scenes, who was nice to who and who's traumatized decades later. Yeah. But here's the thing. The other thing that the greatest thing about this film, and I wanted to sort of end with this, is mother's advocacy. A mother's advocacy can conquer any challenge a young kid has. I mean, it was so clear through the whole film how she took everything off the table and this in and helped him get through you know all of these issues surrounding it so i just i just thought that was really really true well Mm. on that note um oh yes which talks about gratitude because certainly gratitude is major play in this film so you came up with this great idea about you know coming up with our list of six about gratitude this week so you go first. What's your first moment of hey. gratitude? Hollister, you mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but of course I had to put Pollyanna and the glad game. What is all this glad business you talk about? Oh, just a game I play. What kind of a game? A game my father taught me. Helps sometimes. Helps what? When things aren't going so well. That reverend. <laughs> a movie that you introduced me to, one of your favorites. Yes, it was one of the first things I said is I can't believe you've never seen it. So I like that. Yes, the gratitude glad game. Yeah, I, they, they didn't play the glad game, but they seem to do it naturally, don't you think? Mm-hmm. Well, I'm going to go with Mr. Holland's opus. Oh, and the yeah. gratitude in that film is, you know, I haven't seen well, it because it's end, Richard Dreyfuss. When, <laughs> yeah, the, at the end, all of the students who had such gratitude for how he nurtured them into their greatness came back and played his opus. Mr. Holland, we would now like to give something back to you, to you and to your wife, who along with you has waited 30 years for what we are about to hear. If you will, would you please come up here and take this baton and lead us in the first performance ever of the American Symphony by Glenn Holland. And it was a moment that I thought was very moving and really strong in showing that the culmination of little acts of greatness with individual people, when they all come together at the end to show a, a joint and, and collective gratitude, it, it's, it's a symphony. It's amazing. Wow. Okay. <laughs> um, 
It's Richard Dreyfus. Wait, I'm not quite sure what that. Wait, is that like, wow, okay, boy, she's so cool. Or was that, wow, okay, let's move on to the next one. No, Which one you, is that? You know Richard Dreyfus is my kryptonite. So. Okay, well, all right. So you know what? Can't you look beyond the facial features of somebody <laughs> into something bigger than the fact that that moment in time when all his students came back to play, the symphony was pretty awesome. The Josh Hart could come and get him. Boo, 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 boo. Okay, go ahead. What's your next one? Okay, I'm going to go with As Good As It Gets. Jack Nicholson, huh. Helen Hunt, and she's so grateful that he's helped out her son. However, <laughs> you know Jack Nicholson, he suffers from a condition in this movie, and she's always terrified about what's going to pop out of his mouth next. So she asks him, you know, can't you just say one nice thing? And there's that scene where he pays her the best compliment she's ever received. Okay. Now, I got a real great compliment for you, and it's true. I'm so afraid you're about to say something awful. You make me want to be a better man. That's maybe the best compliment of my life. Well, maybe I overshot a little because I was aiming at just enough to keep you from walking out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, nothing gets better than that. Mm -hmm. That's right up there with, um, you had me at hello, you know? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, my next one comes from Hidden Figures. Oh. Yeah, when Sheldon Cooper, who I I know he wasn't Sheldon Cooper (laughs) from the Big Bang Theory in Hidden Figures, but when he brings her a cup of coffee, which was so pivotal in the film. Like early on, she has to get her coffee from a really crappy coffee maker that nobody would want to drink out of. And there's this whole, it's a racial divide of she can't drink the same coffee as them. And at the end, he just brings her a cup of coffee, picks up some paper she's prepared for him, leaves the coffee, and it's not, it's not acknowledged in any way. It, it's almost as if it was always so. And so, as it should be, where, you know, but the cup of coffee was a, a very big statement of gratitude for the work that she did and for what she brought to the team. So I, I, that's the one I'm going with. That's a good one, Hollister. Yeah. Okay, what's your next one? Okay, I'm going to end with the Thanksgiving episode on This Is Us. Wake up, baby. Mm-hmm. It's turkey day. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, it's too early, babe. Meet me in the kitchen in 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wake up! Oh, the one that just happened to me? It's the first season where you realize why they celebrate Thanksgiving the way they do. Oh, 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 mm-hmm. oh. Oh, yeah, that's a, mo- that's a good one. I like that one. You go, girl. Oh, I like excellent. how everyone is always free to individually craft how they celebrate or not a holiday. They do. Yes, they mm-hmm. are. Absolutely. And I'm going to end with Pride and Prejudice. Oh, okay. Which which scene? <laughs> okay, you have to work on your not sounding quite so no, surprised. Mine are a little less covert, you know, the, the Thanksgiving <laughs> Day episode on okay, This Is Pride Us. Okay, Pride and Prejudice, when she thanks him for helping her sister. Oh, yes. And all okay. the anger and hatred of him disappears in that moment when she realized that he was really a good human being 
And it all just seeped out of her and it was gone. And that's when the love could find its way in. And I just thought it was so apropos for this, you know, when prejudice goes away, when you see what's beneath it. And so I'm ending with that moment in Pride and Prejudice. Halster, that's a great one. And of course, I am grateful for our friendship and I'm grateful for all our listeners. Yeah. Thank you listeners. And thank you too, to you. So happy Thanksgiving to you and your family from us to you. And we'll see you and talk to you next week. Gobble, gobble. <laughs> I was a little nervous when Jack Will was bleeding from the head. Oh, you thought he was going to have a, you know, like brain bleed he or something? Rock, and died. Didn't he?